Welcome to The Last Word on the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Every week we take a last look at the message from the most recent Crosstalk. Enjoy this short conversation and stay tuned for the full message directly after. Good morning and welcome to The Last Word. My name is JD and to this morning I'm excited because we have the entire team here with us. We have Paulina. We're all here. We're all here. Cameron. Yes, we are. And Johnny. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we figured since this was the last crosstalk of the year, it would be fun for the four of us to sit around a table and do a bit of reflecting on this past semester and also kind of what God has been doing in the crosstalk community throughout this year. Um, kind of pertaining to this semester, we spent the entire 14 weeks of this semester working through the book of Romans, and there's a lot of stuff in there. And so as somebody who has read Romans quite a bit in my life, what I am always uh, so grateful for is that every time I read a book like this, God speaks something new to me. And so I just wanted to ask each of y'all, maybe what is an overarching thing that God has taught you through studying Romans this semester? Um, well, I love Romans because I often think of just like, oh, the cross, Jesus died for my sins. Cool, I accept that. Let me live a sanctified life. But whenever I'm in like reading through Romans and this whole series, it's cool because you get to see that like, wow, the cross was confusing to like the Romans and the Jewish people and everyone at that time to be like, okay, what did this actually mean? And like, mm -hmm. I guess we, I feel like we get the impact of what the cross meant and how it was just earth shattering then and how we get to see how that um, brings a lot of unity and how that brings a lot of just um, I don't know. It, it brings everyone together in like new ways that they never expected and that Jesus was just not what they were expecting, but so much better. Yeah. And so it was really cool because I feel like it gave a new impact and a new uh, view of the cross for me. That's really cool. How about you, Cam? This is a loaded question, JD. I was sitting here <laughs> thinking about what can I say that I feel like wraps up Romans for me. Um, man, I... I love Romans. Um, I think something so cool about it that I took from it this semester is just seeing God's heart for all people. And I feel like that was a theme that we continually landed on each week. And in addition to that, I think when I met up with people, it just seemed like the timing of what God was doing in their life was so perfect for whatever we were talking about that week. And so even aside from like what we were studying, it was just so cool to see God move like in personally in the lives of people through his words. Um, so amazing. And yeah, I mean, I feel like just seeing uh, every week talking about how, uh, I mean, like when we talked about the Jews, I, I feel like we talked about that, like that so much. And mm -hmm. the theme of that was just you are not more worthy because you were in you are you are you were in the you are a Hebrew. And it was just, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I am trying to think of like certain words to wrap up all of it, but man, it was just so cool to to think about. And hearing everybody kind of from the stage talk about that and seeing how God has taught them um through various chapters of Romans, just really, really cool to me. Hmm. That's really cool. Thanks, Cam. How about you, Paulina? 
Um, I guess thinking about it this whole semester, what I mean with Romans, it always feels like such a challenge. You know, it's not an easy read or lighthearted even. And it just the word I keep thinking of is how complex it is. But I feel like the fact that we the way that we got to read it and study it together as a community mm-hmm. made it to me, feel like we got to walk away with both big picture things um, like y'all are talking about and the practical things too. You know, the things that like when we dove into certain of the weeks and chapters thinking about like, okay, well, this is a really big idea. And yet like, this is how we can apply it, you know, as a community. And I feel like honestly, this last section, especially of unifying the church, really how the gospel unifies the church, um, I think really wraps that up and makes it all really practical, you know, as it's all working towards the same thing. It's one, one idea, I guess, one really big idea. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I think that, Yeah, when I hear you say things like that, when you look back at the way that the Hebrew scriptures were read by the Jewish people um, in the really around the time that Jesus was living, it was a communal literature. Hmm. Sure, they did things in private and worshiped in private, but really the, the reading of the scriptures happened in community because that's where you see like as a community, those things become really applicable and practical for the life of the community and how they come together. So I think it's really cool that uh, that is still true of the scriptures. Like they are meant to be read in community with other people and then lived out inside of that community. So I think that that's really wonderful. I know for me, one of the things that I'm always really grateful for, and I said this from stage is that uh, in, a, in a quiet time sort of format, which is the way in which most of us read the Bible as I get up in the morning or in the afternoon and I read a chapter or two, you get ideas from a chapter or you might get ideas from, I've gone into things and just read a section, like not even a full chapter, like a five to 10 verses trying to understand its meaning. But when you do, when you read a book like Romans in this way, you do get the overarching thematic elements. You see how everything ties together with one another. And I think for me, I see a bunch of beauty in the biblical literature in that way. And so that is just my very nerdy side. But I did want to talk about uh, kind of getting into some of the some more reflective stuff here, but also a little bit more nitty gritty and practical is how have you guys seen the the book of Romans wraps up about really talking about how the gospel unifies the church, how it brings unity to our communities. And I just wanted to hear y'all reflect on how you have seen the crosstalk community come together and become a unified body this past year. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Crosstalk for since 2018 now, and it's been very cool to just see where it's come because it's almost had its own testimony. And I was in the, I had a car ride for two hours yesterday with uh, two of the freshmen from Crosstalk, and it was really cool getting to like talk to them how I have seen Crosstalk, you know, where it was, and then how God has like, it like stripped it away and then like just gave us this new foundation of just being unified on Jesus despite any differences that we might have, despite any, I don't know, any trials that we face together and uh, Mm -hmm. that we just all like love hanging out with each other and can't get enough of each other to where like every single day there's something going on and there's so many different groups and strands and we all just love Jesus. And that's Mm -hmm. what unifies us. And it just comes so naturally, I think, to us all. And it helps us all just, I don't know, yeah, like love on each other, uh, no matter if 
someone's brand new to Christianity or someone's been, you know, a professional Christian forever, whatever that means. <laughs> and um, it is really cool to see where we are now. And I'm excited to see mm-hmm. where Crosstalk's going to be uh, in the next year and two. Yeah. Yeah. I love how we all enjoy each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a beautiful picture Mm -hmm. of the church and how Christ delights in us because it's not like we just go and like put up with each other and read the scripture and ask the questions and then we're like, all right, like peace out, like see y'all next Mm -hmm. week. It's like we come and we enjoy each other. And and the same way that the Father delights in us and enjoys us, I just think it's so cool. I've really seen that play out in Crosstalk because Johnny's right. Like we all just can't get enough of each other. If we're not hanging out reading the Bible, then we're hanging out and we're like at the park together like we're going on a walk together or Mm -hmm. we're like doing things we enjoy together and glorifying God with like our gifts and talents through like art or something together like it's just always we're doing life together and pursuing Jesus in that and we know that Jesus is just better and we've Mm -hmm. seen that and it's just a collective way that we live and it's just so cool because anybody who comes and steps in like I've noticed like they just feel like the love of God. And I've seen that like tangibly happen, which is so cool that God is using us. Like, praise God. How crazy is it that God is allowing us to be a part of something, this thing that he's doing on part of the earth, but that he cares about Texas State and that he cares about us and seeing us like be open to what he's doing has been amazing. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, the true test of unity is how people are treated that aren't already in. And I think that, is one of the biggest things that I've seen in this community this semester is that it's not just that the same 10 people are excited about not spending all their time together, but even like as you guys were both saying that about how you relate to each other, I can think of people that are new that are also in that now, you know, that are also included in the people that you can't spend enough time with, you know, and they've been new and I think being able to be have that unity that is so strong and yet anyone that wants to be a part automatically becomes a part of that. You know, there isn't a requirement and prerequisite and it didn't work. <laughs> um, but there isn't anything before, um, you know, like being in. The only yeah. thing there is if somebody wants to be in, you know, because obviously we're not trying mm-hmm. to like drag or manipulate someone in, you know. And so if someone wants to be in, you guys especially have done a really good job of making sure that they're in. And I think that's a mm-hmm. really good testament to what unity looks like, period, and that you guys just have that, the true unity that unites Hmm. those of you that are here and that's like totally free and available to anyone that wants to join next. Hmm. The first church that I ever worked for, um, I I started and I asked the senior pastor, what is my job description? And he said to me, do the things you love to do and take people along with you to do it. And that's what I'm seeing in the commu- in the crosstalk community right now is that you guys are doing the things that you love to do, pursuing Jesus, going hanging out at the park, mm-hmm. just being in relationship with one another, and then you just invite people into that. And so there's always room for one more, and I think that that's the sort of unity that will ultimately change our campus. Mm-hmm. Is that when people see others so on fire for for pursuing a life with Jesus 
and that they're actually having fun doing with it and they're willing to let other people into that, that's ultimately what inspires people to want to be a part of things like that. So I would encourage you guys um, and I would encourage the Crosstalk community that listens to this, continue to do that. Do the things that you love to do and invite people along with you to do it. We are so incredibly thankful for uh, this past school year, we are incredibly thankful for this past semester, and we really look forward to what God's going to continue to do through the Crosstalk community going forward. Thanks, guys. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. I think at this point in time, uh, out of all of the, the strong candidates here to address the most like me, it has to go to Isaac. Isaac, you want this? I'll, I'll just give you the notes if you want to take over tonight. Sure. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm stoked that y'all are here. Welcome to the last crosstalk. It's always a very bittersweet moment for me. It, uh, it really feels like the start of school was forever ago. And still at the same time, it just feels like it was yesterday for me. It feels like, I don't know for you guys, if this school year has felt as fast as it has for me. But I was looking back, and we, we've been, I guess for all 14 weeks now, we've been in the book of Romans. And I've been really, really excited to talk about, and here at the last Crosstalk, we come to the end of that journey. And so what I want to do today is simply just to spend some time reflecting and celebrating what God has taught us through the book of Romans. And we, what we did is we broke the book of Romans down into four movements. Now, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but the, our modern chapter-verse orientation to the Bible is not something that's native to the text. Meaning that when the author, when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he didn't go in and say, Romans 1, verse 1. And then every sentence or so, he broke it down in, the, in verse format. That's something that is a very modern thing that we have done that's a very helpful interpretive tool that kind of tells us how these sections or these movements have been broken down. And uh, sometimes they nail it, right? And then if you guys have read the Bible for any period of time, you've often probably come to a moment where you're like, that's a very awkward break. Like, it just doesn't seem like there should be a chapter marking here, and so sometimes they get it right, sometimes it's a little awkward, but that's kind of how we've done this. But Paul, for example, broke down his letters by these sections using repeated language or imagery or even these literary devices and ideas. And so when you look at the book of Romans, for example, there's this set of, of ideas that make up this first section. And then you see a distinctive set of vocabulary and images that he begins to use in the second movement of the book, and so on and so forth. And so it's easy for us to go in and trace these themes and break the book down into four sections. And so the first section that we looked at is chapters 1 to 4. Now, chapters 1 to 4 are all about how the gospel reveals God's righteousness. This concept of God's righteousness in chapters 1 to 4 is very important for us to understand because it is the foundation upon which all of the rest of the book of Romans is developed. In the first four chapters, we saw that all of humanity is hopelessly trapped in sin and needs to be rescued. 
All of humanity, us included, are hopelessly trapped in sin and needs to be rescued. And that rescue will not happen by us trying to obey the laws of the Torah. In other words, we will never be able to do well enough to earn our way back to right relationship with God. Very simply, God's righteous character has moved him to rescue the world through Jesus' death and resurrection, enabling the creation of a faith-based, multi-ethnic family as his covenant people. And the main crux is that God does not lower the bar so that we can attain a lower standard. Rather, God breaks into time and space in sending his son to die on a cross to be the sacrifice for our sins. In Jesus, we have all that God's righteousness requires of us. He is the sinless one who stood in the place of sinners and offered himself in sacrifice and endured the cross, bearing the weight of sin and shame for all of humanity. And as a result, we are included in the family of God. And really, in the first four chapters of the book of Romans, he gets at this concept of justification. And that justification very simply means our standing with God. That we can stand before a holy and blameless God and he can call us righteous based on what Jesus has done. And then he turns a corner in chapters 5 to 8, which is the second movement in the book of Romans. And Paul demonstrates how the gospel creates a new humanity. And Paul shows us how this new covenant family is part of a, a much bigger story that is calling us to a totally new and different way of life. After showing that Jesus is forming this new covenant family of people from all nations, Paul goes on to claim that these people are the new humanity that fulfills God's promise to ancient Israel by obeying the laws of the Torah in the power of the Spirit. And we have been given this new identity and this new purpose in this world to live out the truth of what God has done for us. Now, this is the key theological concept of our sanctification. If justification is how we stand with God, then sanctification is how we walk with God. It's how we live our life in light of this new identity that we have been given in Jesus. And then after this, he transitions in chapters 9 to 11 to talk about how the gospel fulfills God's promise to the nation of Israel. You see, in chapters 1 to 8, they explain how God's eternal purpose has now been fulfilled through Jesus. And that leaves us with a really important question. What about the nation of Israel? What about God's chosen covenant partners? How does this story of Jesus fulfill God's promises to the people of Israel? And Paul tells us that simply being an ethnic Jew never made one automatically a faithful member of God's covenant family. God has always selected this subset of Abraham's family to carry on the promise. And that line of promise is carried on now by those who follow Jesus. And the reason that many Israelites reject Jesus is that they are basing their covenant relationship with God on their ability to obey the laws of the Torah. 
And as a result, they don't recognize what God has done in the person of Jesus to create this new covenant family that's based on faith. And so what is Israel's future, is Paul's question. Has God written off his people? No. There are plenty of Jewish people who have come to know and call Jesus their Lord and Savior. But there are also plenty of Jewish people who have not, Paul points out. And God has been able to use their rejection for his redemptive purposes in the world. It has caused the gospel to spread even farther and faster into the Gentile world, making the family of Abraham even larger and more multi-ethnic as time goes on. You can even extrapolate that out to us now and look at the worldwide Christianity and the number of people of different cultures and backgrounds who are included in the covenant family of God. But Paul makes a point in in Romans chapter 11 to point out that God is faithful and true to his promises. That is why Paul says that one day the Jewish people will acknowledge Jesus. He doesn't give an answer as to how that's going to happen, but he simply relies on the character of God that he is faithful to fulfill his promises. And then this last section is chapters 12 to 16, and Paul closes his letter to the Romans by talking about how the gospel unifies the church, how the gospel brings unity in this really diverse, multi-ethnic family of God. The coming together of diverse backgrounds that we see inside of the church, made up of both Jews and Gentiles, causes no small amount of divisions or disruptions and disagreement about what it means to follow Jesus. That's just the reality of life when all of our different backgrounds we carry into the family of God. And so Paul instructs both Jews and Gentiles that the way to life is by looking to our Savior Jesus and imitating him in his death. We talked about last week, that means dying to our own opinions. It means dying to our own rights and submitting ourselves and selflessly serving other people. And so, Paul instructs Jews and Gentiles that the only way to unity is by placing their faith in the crucified Messiah and a life that embodies his actions. When Paul thought of the division that existed in Rome between Jews and Gentiles, his mind went directly to the cross of Jesus Christ and the new life that it provides. We, as Jesus followers, are called to embody that message to the world around us. The message of the cross of Christ, which is the only thing that allows for real, true unity. To recap, I loved how uh, several weeks ago, Paulina put this into a sentence, and I've revised her sentence a little bit here as as I've taken this a little bit farther, but it says that generally the message of Romans is that the gospel message reveals God's righteousness, which creates in us a new humanity that is being transformed by God's spirit, and this fulfills God's promises to his people. The only reasonable response is for this new body of believers, both Jewish and Gentile Christians, to become a unified church community based on the love of Jesus. That is the message 
of Romans. And so Paul here in closing out the book of Romans in chapter 16, you kind of feel like he's done teaching. You get to this point where it's just a lot of greetings. He greets Priscilla and Aquila. He greets Mary and Andronicus and Hunia and Urbanus and Herodian and Rufus and Olympus and all of these different sorts of people. And you would think that he's done teaching at this point. That's all that's left are, are just these formalities of saying hello to these people in these different locations. Then comes this section from verse 17 to verse 20 where he leaves them with these final instructions. It's like he was done and then remembered that he had one last thing that he wanted to say. I am, as a human being, notoriously forgetful. Just notoriously forgetful. And to the point that Taylor just assumes that I will not remember what she has asked me to do. And very rightfully so. I have a very poor track record of this. I have done a very poor job at points in time where she's like, hey, did you do that thing that I asked you to do? And I was like, no, I, I totally forgot that you told me to do that. It's not even a told me. She just asked for help on something. And I have no recollection that there was this moment. And so unfortunately, she is now in this habit of always having to remind me to do things. Like very, very simple things. And I've realized that for me in my life, I just process at a million miles an hour, and so my brain is on to the next thing before it's accomplished the thing that I should be doing. And so, therefore, for me to remember something, I have to write it down. And so, if you guys were to look in the notes on my phone, it's just lists of epic proportions. Because I just need to put it down on paper or in my phone, otherwise it's just going to get lost forever in my mind. But the problem is, even though I make lists, I also forget to check my list. I just kind of go on with my life. And so what I've started to do tonight, for example, there are a couple of things. I was going to pick up the trailer of all the gear for Crosstalk, and I knew that there were two things that I needed from the church. And so I put them on my list, and then I started to doubt myself this afternoon and said, I need to set myself an alarm. And I, then I'm going to put in the alarm that these are the two things that I'm supposed to grab while I'm at the church. And so I have all of these alarms that occur throughout my life. I had, I had lunch with a friend this morning, something I was looking forward to, and I had to set an alarm that I was supposed to go have lunch with them. That's just the way that, that my brain works. And this section here in, in Romans chapter 16 serves as kind of this last minute alarm that reminds us to not forget about this one last thing, to not forget all of the things that Paul has taught those in Rome in this letter. And so Paul leaves the church in Rome with these last words. And these last words are just a reminder for them. And they, and they say, it starts in, in Romans 16, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. No, we recognize that something is off about what somebody is saying to us. When things come against the unity that we have in this community, and they inevitably will, we will be able to identify them easily because we know the truth of God so deeply and so intimately. We study the original so that we know it well enough that we understand when anything is off right away. 
It is so ingrained in us. It is such a part of who we are that we can immediately tell when something doesn't sound quite right or line up with the other things that we have been taught. Paul's desire, he states it here, is for them to be wise to what is good and innocent to what is evil. That's my hope. That's Paulina's hope, is that you guys become wise to what God's word says and that you guys are innocent to, to, what, to evil in these senses. And we do that by studying the real thing. We have such an intimate knowledge of Jesus that we become wise to what is good and true and right. As we end the spring semester and we, you start the summer, that's just a transition point in our lives. And the reality is we are always the most vulnerable at these points of transition in our life because we are out of our routine, our schedule changes, we go back home to a very different environment than it is here on campus, our normal habits of church and community group change, and oftentimes our families of origin, the places that we go, don't have those habits. As we struggle, we often we can feel lonely, we can feel isolated from our community, and ultimately our way of life is disrupted in these periods of transition. And these are the easiest points in time for us to lack intentionality in our relationship with Jesus. We get lazy, we get complacent. And then after a while of not pursuing intentionally the truth of what God says, it's very easy to hear something and believe it without critically thinking about it, without running it through this lens of the foundational truths of Jesus Christ. And so in order to combat that, what do we fall back on in these times? Well, it's our community. It's our community. It's in these times that we really need to lean into the community God has placed around us, whether that's in, at a distance for the summer or whether that's this summer, whether you're staying here in San Marcos or you're going home to Austin, San Antonio, Houston, wherever you guys are from, in these times of transition, this is a point in time in which we need to be unified as the body of Christ. And we do that by relying on the truth of God's righteousness, of our new humanity in Jesus, and of God's covenant faithfulness to his people. This is how the gospel unifies the church, as Paul says. And all of it runs through the cross of Christ, which makes all of this possible. Let me pray. Father God, Lord, I, I thank you that, Lord, that, that in, a, in a very complex and difficult to understand book, as, as Romans can be, Lord, that your foundational truths stick out to us, God. We thank you that, God, that you are righteous, Lord, that we can never attain your perfect standard, Jesus. And in, your, and in your righteousness, Lord, you didn't lower the bar to make it easy for us to attain. But God, you made a way in sending your own son to come and to live a perfect life and to die on the cross in our place, bearing the weight of our sin and our shame so that we may have life. That you offer us now a new identity that... that goes far beyond any of our family life or our cultural heritage or any of those things. And God, you invite us into a new way of life, a new way of walking with you. And God, we thank you that you are faithful in fulfilling your promises. Lord, that you do what you say you will do. And Father, Lord, 
We thank you that it is this gospel message, Lord, that unifies us in the body of Christ, Lord. We pray that as we leave this place, as we go out for the summer, Lord, that the unity that we find in this community would be the thing that we fall back on, that gives us structure, that gives us hope to keep walking with you in the midst of all of the unknown, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen.